Hey there, psychoholics. Welcome back to the Bike Tour Adventures Ridecast. Uh, I am your host, Chris Panaski of the podcast. But these are my daily ride blogs of now, in particular, my Bikepacking Canada adventure. Yesterday, in my last ridecast, I should say, I think I left off. I We had just woken up and we were at the, the border of Canada, of British Columbia and Yukon. Uh, it was a late start, so day 17, pretty late start. Um, Fedor was definitely not in the mood to start early. I got up at 8 o'clock and uh, packed up everything, and then I still had to say, hey, Fedor, are you awake? Are you up? And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, we didn't really get a move on until 9 o'clock, and we hadn't even had breakfast, so we... We knew that there was a lot of insects and mosquitoes around and that if we were to ride to the rest stop, which was where I recorded the last uh, ride cast from, which is only a couple kilometers away down the hill, sweet, uh, there'd be picnic tables. So there we were able to make breakfast, have some food. And um, yeah, so that left us about five kilometers, if that, away from the Alaska Highway. So after after eating, we just basically cruised down to the Alaska Highway. But before I talk about that, I want to talk about wildlife. I think I I kind of skipped out on it in the last couple episodes. Um, the day before, on on day fifteen, we only saw one bear, and he was an asshole. Um, I honked the horn, and he just stood there and didn't leave. And then we just had to wait, and we waited probably about five minutes before he he buggered off. So. That was uh, the only real amount of wildlife we saw on day 15. Day 16, so the previous episode, we saw a couple bears, nothing too crazy, but one uh, and a couple moose. One, a huge, what's the word for, uh, anyways, a, a huge bull. Um, massive antlers on way down into in this swampy area. And uh, we, we watched him and filmed him and took pictures and stuff. And uh, he was pretty sweet looking. Um, probably would have tasted delicious. I don't know. And then we also saw a fox. I mean, it was a cool, cool uh, interaction there because I saw the fox run across the road. So I stopped and turned on the GoPro. And then I saw him dive into a bush and it rustled a bit. And out he comes back on the road with some kind of squirrel type thing in his mouth and he sees me because I'm only probably like 15 10 meters away maybe so 20 30 30 feet or so away he sees me and drops the squirrel and right away it starts to like scurry like it wants to get out of there and it's zigzagging and he's just darts really quick snatches it back in his mouth and then just sitting there looking at me almost like a challenge to the food he proceeds to eat the head of the squirrel and you can just hear crunch, crunch and he's pulling and tugging and I think it's, um, as Hannibal Lecter would say, the fine delicacies. Um, I think he was just, he was like, I'm not going to miss at least the head. That's the best part. Get the eyes, brain, oh, all the good stuff. And so, uh, yeah, he decapitated it, gobbled it down and then only when a car was coming, he picked up the remainder and took off into the woods. And I think I got, I hope I got it all on video because I, I kind of forgot about the GoPro and 
I'm not sure if the handlebars are still facing it. And I was focused on my phone and at the same time, it was just like, uh, it's so cool. Anyways, it was a, it was pretty, pretty neat moment of, uh, nature at its fiercest. And, um, yeah, that was it for nature that day. Anyways, day 17, five kilometers to the border. Of course, the natural, what, I don't know, whoever these officers were, I forget which department they worked for. And, uh, they let us in the Yukon on the condition that we self-quarantined for 14 days. Now, what that means, according to him, he's okay with us wild camping. He's okay with us camping in campgrounds. There's no restrictions there. He is okay with me going in the grocery store and getting food. He's also okay with me going to a bike shop and getting my bike fixed. So I'm not exactly sure how I'm self-quarantining here. But that was his words. Um, I guess what that means is I can't go to a pub and sit inside and have a beer. Unless I'm social distancing, maybe. Or maybe I have to sit outside on the patio and have the beer. Maybe. Not really sure. Um, and then when I mentioned that, you know, other people I had talked to, and this happened like three times I've talked to people. Some had been turned away, similar to us, and told you need to self-isolate. Others had been told, oh, you've been in BC over two weeks? Yeah, as long as you make a self-attestation or some kind of thing that you've been in BC and... Uh, then you're good to go. So I, I just don't understand how it works. I think uh, he was like, no, they're just making things up. I'm like, why Why would these people make that up? That That's insane, you know? Oh, I'm going to pause this real quick and move my bike inside this uh, gazebo because it's raining harder and I might as well keep my bike dry. So uh, anyways, Fedor and I both got through. <clears throat> We cycled up, uh, I think, about four kilometers to Nugget City. Now, Nugget City consists of a two-table restaurant, a RV park, campground, and I think that is the whole city. That is Nugget City. Um, I don't think they've read and learned what exactly a city is, but hey, whatever. Um, I had a, I had a coffee <clears throat> and a strawberry rhubarb pie piece, piece of pie, pretty good size though. And that cost $13 or $12 or something after tip and stuff. But at least there's free refills. So I had like two coffees. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to charge my devices and stay there for about 45 minutes or so. Just get what I could charged. And, uh, Fedor decided to push on he said you're gonna catch me anyway so i'm just gonna get going and i also knew from talking to the resource officer or bus border guy whoever he was uh had asked him about wife uh, cell phone reception anywhere and he said at the top of the hill after nugget city there's phone reception so i turned off my airplane mode and started up the hill after leaving nugget city and all of a sudden my phone just starts going nuts with notifications and whatsapp messages and so I knew I had reception, so I paused there and called my wife, of course, it's the uh, first priority, and uh, told her how I was doing and whatnot, and asked her if she could mail some stuff to to Yukon for me, some new tires and stuff, because I have some at home. Long story short, 
it was going to take at least 10 days. And I think the quickest option would still take six, five or six days. And I didn't want to wait there till next Tuesday at the earliest. So, and she figured I wouldn't smart woman. She knows me. And so she didn't send it. She just said, just buy, buy a tire when you get to, uh, just buy what you need. So that's what I'll do. I'll go to the bike shop in Whitehorse and figure it out. Um, yeah, so after that, I mean, Fedor already had probably, now he's probably got a 45-minute lead on me, maybe as much as an hour, and that takes some time, man. Yeah, that takes some work to catch somebody when they're going even the slower speed. Um, <clears throat> starting off, I was doing really well. I mean, it was quite windy, but I have aero bars on my bike, and I was able to just get down on them and basically, <sighs> sorry, I'm blowing here and waving off mosquitoes. Um able to cut off a bit of the resistance from the wind and make good time. I think I was averaging around 19 to 20 kilometers an hour, which is pretty sweet considering there was, there was some decent little climbs too. And after a couple hours and a couple bears, which were harmless, just little black bears, I, uh, I saw Fedor going, he, he was nearing the top of the crest of the next mountain and I was at the top of the crest of the previous one. So I was about to go down into this valley and then back up. So he's probably a couple kilometers ahead of me. And, uh, by the time I got to the top of that crest, um, and started going down, when I got to the valley, I could see he was at the top of the next one. So I had closed the distance a bit and finally caught up to him about two kilometers before the rest stop, which was perfect. So we stopped and had lunch, and that was probably around 2.30 in the afternoon, maybe 2.45-ish. Um, we hadn't done that much distance. I think that was a, that was a 60K mark. We, I mean, we really didn't start early with all the stops. I think I left Nugget City. It was already 11 o'clock or 11.05. So it took me a few hours to catch him. <clears throat> and uh, we had some lunch, said our goodbyes, big bro hugs and stuff, uh, promises to keep in touch, and went our separate ways, and then I pushed off ahead of him, trying to make it to Tesla or as close as possible um, for that day. As I was climbing and getting close to the Continental Divide RV park, which is just before the Continental Divide rest stop, uh, there's a waterfalls and campsite a couple kilometers, five kilometers before that. And I decided I was going to stop and have a quick bite. And because I was in a rush and not really paying attention, I quickly opened my food bag, got the Ben's in instant whatever out, dumped it in my pot, turned on my stove, put it on top of the stove, and started to put on wind pants to, to stop, or my rain pants to to alleviate me from the annoying mosquitoes, Canadian vampires. And uh, all of a sudden, everything burst into flames, and I realized, shit, I forgot to take off the plastic sleeve, which is my cup, from the pot. So that's melting and dripping all over my pocket rocket, too. Uh, I had to quickly lift off the food, pull off that plastic thing before it sticks to the can, tried to scrape off as much of that melting plastic as quickly as I could, um, then I spent the next 30 or 40 minutes, no, probably about 20 minutes cleaning the stove, 
um, using my knife to pick out as much of the plastic as possible. And then when I got it burning again, it, I guess it just kind of melted the plastic away a little bit so we're in the holes. Um, luckily, it still works fine. And then I basically quickly ate my food, pissed off and angry the whole time. And got my bike ready to go. And just as I'm leaving, because of my 20-minute break, became closer to an hour probably. Uh, lo and behold, there's Fedor just passing the stop I was at. Yeah, I guess he had just been reading the sign. And it says, like, if you're, if you're on restricted movement by the Yukon government and have 24 hours to leave the province, you're not allowed to camp in any of these um, provincial camping spots. So luckily I'm not on that case. I have more than 24 hours. I just have to self-isolate because I'm Canadian. I guess that's for Americans. Um, anyways, so I shout out to Fedor, and then we cycled to the Continental Divide just in time for it to start raining. Had some snacks. He cooked his own dinner there. And what I didn't mention was the... I did mention the wind was crazy. It was nuts, man. As you're going up, the wind was blowing down those the valley that is the road so hard that you had to pedal when even going downhill. Otherwise, you might just stop... Probably not quite that hard realistically, but pretty hard nonetheless. Uh, Fedor and I, <clears throat> at the Continental Divide, we were at around the 120K mark. And even though the wind had died down, he's like, I'm done. This day was too huge. I'm I'm super tired and blah, blah, blah. So we looked on I Overlander and I considered stopping and camping with him for one more night. <laughs> we get along pretty well. He's a cool dude. Um, beautiful spot right by uh, Swift River. Highly recommend anybody's coming through. Not Swift River Town, but the five kilometers after or before the Continental Divide, depending which way you're going. The Swift River, there's a little bridge that crosses the river there, and there's a huge open grass area with a couple of uh, the garbage bins and some fire fire spots and stuff. Great location. Um, but I decided to push on because it was around 8 p.m., I still had a few good hours of uh, light and I want no wind for once that day and I wanted to push on. So I went until 11 p.m. and did another like 60 or 65 kilometers. It must be 65. I went 188, so 63 kilometers from his 125. 63 more kilometers. And even as I was putting up my tent, it was starting to get a little bit dark, but wasn't really that dark. What was annoying was um, in the Yukon, the fuckers, they chip and tar their highway. Instead of putting pavement down, they just chip and seal or chip and tar, however you want to call it. They, they basically, they put down gravel and then they put some kind of oil coating on it and then they put more gravel. And then as you drive, it packs down and it becomes kind of hard like pavement, but never quite as smooth. Um, and it's really rough when it's not, when it's fairly new. And so I hit one patch, it was about 300 meters long and I got off my bike and I pushed it slash jogged. Um, I didn't want to have to deal with a blown tire because of all these sharp rocks that are like three quarters of an inch stone. Um, but right after that was my, actually about 10 kilometers after that, I think, was my camp spot. It was perfect. I had a great, great, great sleep. Was planning to get up nice and early at 5 a.m. and get into Teslin, but it was raining, so I slept in a bit. Anyways, I'll fill you in on uh, today's adventures tomorrow.
So that was my day 17, 188 kilometers, 1450 meters of elevation, a nuts headwind, and um, a late start and a late finish. All right, bye. Hope you enjoyed. Keep on pedaling.